I want to welcome you to our last day of looking together through Mark chapter 9, day 5, verses 38 to 50. And in these verses, we're going to meet ourselves again in the lives of the disciples. We're going to see their insecurity. I've never met anyone, including myself for sure, who doesn't deal with insecurity on some level in their lives, daily lives. Sometimes I've noticed that what we brand as, as arrogance is really insecurity in a deep-seated way in a person's life. And I've seen, as you probably have, that this insecurity that we all struggle with, it can come out in, in very strange ways. You can see this in Jesus' first followers. And maybe in seeing it in them, you and I can learn something about ourselves. You can see their insecurity coming out in feelings of, of anger. You can see their insecurity coming out in feelings of unhealthy ambition. Here, in these verses, we're going to look at how the disciples wanted to exclude other people and in so doing, make themselves feel more secure, more powerful. One of the ways to make yourself feel more secure is by shutting other people out, and then you feel special. Listen to what happened. Mark chapter 9, verses 38 to 41. Teacher, said John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. I tell you the truth. Anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to Christ will certainly not lose his reward. Here's this feeling of being exclusive. John is saying, because he's not one of us, we made him stop. And Jesus said, why? This man was successfully driving out demons. And he was doing it in Jesus' name. And remember, the disciples had just had a struggle with driving out a demon. So they're saying, don't do that. We don't want you to do that. You are not in the club. This is like when, when you're a little kid and you got this clubhouse and you only let your three friends in and you feel better about yourself because you keep other people out. The feeling of exclusivity that gives you a sense of security is nothing but insecurity. It may be owning something exclusive. It may be knowing someone exclusive. It may be belonging to some exclusive club. If the reason you own that, if the reason you know that person, if the reason you belong to that is so that you can feel better than other people, you're trying to make yourself secure at other people's expense. And Jesus warns his disciples against it. They were doing it in a spiritually unhealthy way. Jesus' teaching grows out of John's insecure desire to have an in-crowd and an out-crowd. And he begins in these verses in some very in-depth ways to teach us about how do you deal with these insecurities in our lives? How do you deal with the fact that sometimes Christians want to make those who are not yet Christians feel like they're outside so that we can feel better about ourselves? And in so doing, we don't invite them in as Jesus has invited all of us in. How do you deal with this feeling of insecurity that we have in our lives? Well, Jesus talks about it when he talks about judgment. He says, you want, you want to deal with the insecurity in your life? You got to do three things. You have to, first of all, stop judging others in order to cover your own faults. Now, in a minute, we're going to see that he also says you have to focus on God's judgment. That's how you deal with your insecurity. And you also have to live a life of purity. That's how you deal with your insecurity. But let's focus on this first one. You stop judging others to cover your own faults. Insecure people are judgmental people. Have you, have you noticed that? When I'm insecure about myself, I'm judgmental of others. And Jesus in these verses talks about some keys to letting go of judgmentalism in our lives. And the first is stop your human judgments. 
Jesus says here, if someone's doing a miracle in my name, in the next moment, he's not going to do something bad. He's just done something powerful in my name. He obviously has a real and genuine trust in me. Jesus here says, if he's not against us, he's for us. He's not fighting against us. He's fighting for us. And Jesus here says, I love these verses. He says, somebody gives you as a disciple, just some small act. He gives you a cup of water in my name because you're a follower of me. You should honor that because that person's not going to lose his reward. Don't feel threatened by other people's ministry. Don't feel threatened by other people's service. If you've been a believer for any length of time, you know that we can do this as believers. We feel threatened by the fact that somebody else is serving, like, well, they're going to get in with Jesus, and I'm going to be, like, pushed out, and now I'm not going to have a place to serve. There's plenty of room for all of us in God's kingdom. There's plenty of room for all of us in Jesus' service. Don't feel threatened by the fact that other people are serving him too. Stop judging others to cover your own faults. Now, one of the ways to do that is the second thing that Jesus talks about in these verses. You focus on God's judgment. Instead of me thinking about how I judge others, you get your eyes off of yourself, off the human plane, and you put your eyes on God and his judgment of us all. We all stand before him in judgment. We're all equal in that. Jesus talks about that beginning in verse 42, and let me read for you through verse 48. And if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Jesus in these verses focuses us on God's judgment. Instead of thinking about how I judge others, are they in or are they out, think about how God judges others. And Jesus begins by talking about God's protection of these little ones. He's talking here about new believers, people who are just beginning to follow Christ. If someone causes one of these little ones who believe to sin, it'd be better that they were thrown into the sea with a heavy stone tied around their neck. That's how God's going to handle those who prey on new believers, on people who are naive in their faith in order to feather their own nest, in order to, in order to because they, they can manipulate others to use them for their own ends. God can take care of that. I don't have to. God can take care of that. So I leave that judgment in his hands. Now, that doesn't mean I don't warn people about wolves, people who have false teaching towards the good news of Christ, but it also means I leave judgment to God. He can handle it. In fact, Jesus immediately goes from others to you and me. He says, if your hand, your foot, your eye causes you to sin, it's better to cut it off or to pluck it out, in the case of the eye, than to go into hell. Immediately, Jesus says, instead of thinking about judging others, why don't you look at your own life? If you've got something in your life that's keeping you from connecting with God, if you've got something in your life that's keeping you from salvation, from a relationship with God, Jesus says, let go of that thing. Now, it's obvious here that he's painting a picture, a dramatic picture. I could cut off one hand and still sin with the other hand. So he's not talking about hands here. He's talking about hearts here. But it's an incredible picture, especially for that day. Remember that in that day, if you had an infection in your hand or your foot or your eye, it would have to be cut off or taken out so that that infection would not go to your entire body. And so Jesus is saying here, in order to live spiritually, there are some things that you might have to cut out of your life. 
even some things that may seem deeply important to you. And Jesus says, why? Why? Because to be cut off from God for eternity is to be in a place called hell. In eternity, we're either going to be in heaven with God for eternity, or if we haven't chosen a relationship with him, God's going to let us have our choice for all eternity, and we'll be separated from him for all eternity. And that place is called hell. And in hell, there is no God. So hell, hell is a horrible place. Jesus paints it this way, where their worm does not die, where the fire is not quenched. A place where there is all desire, but there is no fulfillment. Now, by the way, I read these verses from Jesus. How do you, how do you imagine Jesus' tone here as he talked about hell? Judgmental, irritated, angry? No. Jesus has a compassionate and broken heart about hell. That's why he died on a cross, to save us from hell. Jesus went to a cross to pay the price for our sins so we would not have to face this. And Jesus says, if there's something that's keeping you from my forgiveness, even as important as it might seem to you, in light of eternity, cut that thing out of your life. Let go of that thing in your life so you can enjoy eternity with me. Focus on God's judgment. You want to stop being judgmental? Stop focusing your judgment on others. Start focusing on God's judgment of us all. We're all going to stand before him. And Jesus says the third thing you do is you begin to live a life of purity. One of the reasons we're judgmental of others is we don't want the eye on ourselves. We know we got some problems in our own life. Jesus says, first of all, take a look at your own life. You live a life of purity. And he gives us some pictures here that have to do with salt. Verses 49 to 50. Everyone, Jesus says, will be salted with fire. Salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. That phrase, everyone will be salted with fire, is one of the most difficult to translate and understand in all the sayings of Jesus. Most likely what he's talking about here, as we look at the picture of that day, he's talking about you and I growing through trials in our lives. The salt was a purifier. And when he says everyone will be salted, there's one sense in which he's saying everyone will be purified through fire, and fire is a picture of persecution. So we are salted, we are purified through the trials and the difficulties of life. We know that this is true, not only from many verses in Scripture, but through the experience of our own lives. And Jesus is saying we're all going to face this. Every one of us is going to face difficult times in our lives. We're going to all face trials, and God can use those to grow us, to be purified, to be more like Christ. When I have a problem in my life, instead of trying to figure out why the problem is happening, I should be trying to figure out what does God want me to learn? I could drive myself crazy trying to figure out why every problem happens. Some of them I'll never figure out, but I can always know that God has something for me to learn. Even in a problem that someone else has brought upon me, an evil problem, God can teach me and grow me. Everyone will be salted with fire. And Jesus says salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? You've got to stay salty. How do you do that? How do you stay pure? How do you continue to live a life of purity? Well, Jesus says, have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. The, the way that I decide in my daily life, the way that I walk through my daily decisions is going to determine the saltiness, the kind of purity that I have in my heart. And Jesus says here, it's especially true in my relationships. Be at peace with one another. If I've got a bad relationship with someone, it's going to show up in an impurity in my life. Now, you may think you're punishing that other person by keeping that bitterness going, but it shows up in an impurity in my life. Have salt in your life. Be the kind of person that, because God's light, God's salt is in your life, people can see that God wants to be at work in their lives. That's what Jesus is saying here. 
As we come to the end of this look at Mark chapter 9 and these verses about living a life of purity, let's pray together for God's power. Jesus Christ, help us to live the kind of life that you've caused us to live through your cross, that you invite us to live, empower us to live through your resurrection, a life of purity. Instead of focusing on others and their problems, help us to focus on you and help us to focus on what you want to do in our lives today. Instead of focusing on our imperfections and our problems, Help us to focus on your invitations and on your power and on what you want to do. Thank you, Jesus, that you never give up on us. Thank you for your power in our life today. Help us to learn to grow, to be more pure in thought, heart, and action this day. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you back next week as we continue our study in Mark, Mark chapter 10. It's a chapter where we learn from Jesus' teaching and Jesus' example about the awesome relationships that he intends for us to have with himself and with others. See you next week for Mark chapter 10. 